in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 103 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And that means that this is the episode that won't make the postseason in 1993. 103. I <laughs> I cannot see that number without thinking there was a Giants team that won 103 games in 1993 and just did not make the postseason. Whoopsie doodle. Yep, that's because the Atlanta Braves were part of the geographically unfamiliar National League West at that time, and the Colorado Rockies went like 0-16 against them that year, wasn't didn't they? Uh, and, and and that makes it officially the second most annoying thing that the Rockies have done to the Giants after, of course, Dinger. After, of course, Dinger. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll put Nafi Perez at least in the top 10, just, just weaponizing Nafi Perez. Uh, yeah, no, that was wild because this year the Giants might make the postseason with 29 wins, you know, maybe 30. Uh, it's possible. So it's very funny to think of the 1993 season where Giants fans were going apoplectic because they didn't make a postseason with 103 wins, and you just wish you could have whispered in their ears, there will be a year where you make the postseason with 30 wins. And have everyone go, <laughs> what? You know, just break their brains. I think that would be a funny gag to pull. Yeah, you know, that Giants team actually did a big service to Bud Selig because it made Bob Costas shut the hell up about the wild card. <laughs> uh, essentially, that that team justified the wild card uh, uh, more than anything else that, that MLB could have done. And, and obviously, it, it's not funny in retrospect to Dusty Baker or anybody who was a part of that team. I mean, can you imagine winning over 100 games and not making the playoffs? Uh, and we'll see. I mean, maybe everybody will make the playoffs next year. I, I think it's going to be an expanded field or uh, next year or the year after that. But but yeah, not, not like this. This is a free for all. And the Giants are just like, you know what? We just want to get in because strange stuff happens when we get in. Expanded postseason is gross. However, it's certainly entertaining this year in this format. Uh, the Giants being right now, as of this taping, they're 24 and 24, a 500 team. The feel is okay right now because they're 500 and in postseason position. It's when you get under 500 and you're in postseason position that you start to really side-eye the expanded playoffs. Right now, you, you kind of get it. The Giants don't feel like a juggernaut, but they feel like a competent team. You just don't want the incompetent teams to to make the postseason. I think that if you're 500 in the National League West, you're a lot more competent than your record is because you've had to play the teams with the two best records in the National League a total of 20 times. And the Giants, granted, still have, you know, four left against the San Diego Padres. But I mean, yeah, I, I think that, you know, when you have teams playing entirely different schedules, uh, going for the same prize as we're now going to see down the stretch as we're scoreboard watching. I mean, yeah, I think the Giants are are much more credible than a 500 team. Yeah, no, that is a good point. And this speaks to something that uh, I, I wanted to get into, which is the teams that the Giants are, are chasing. And right now, I, I might be missing one, but it's Cardinals, Brewers, Reds, Marlins, Phillies, Rockets. I shouldn't say chasing, in competition with uh, Cardinals, Brewers, Reds from the Central, 
the Marlins, the Phillies from the East, the Rockies also from the West. Uh, you'll have a couple of those teams making that second. Uh, every division gets two guaranteed postseason spots. So it's not all it's not one giant free for all. But in when you break down all of those teams and you look at the schedules, the Cardinals, based on the, the weirdness uh, of all their shutdowns, their COVID-related postponements, they have five games coming up against the Pirates, and then they travel to Kansas City for three games. So for the next eight games, it's all Pirates and Royals. And buddy, those teams aren't doing so hot. No, not at all. And uh, I think I, I saw the Pirates were something like 1-11 in interleague play. So, you know, that explains why the AL Central teams are doing as well as they are. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, we all knew this going in. You were going to be playing a completely different schedule. And even just re- on a regular season basis, the wild card has some unfairness baked in because you play an unbalanced schedule, uh, playing teams in your division more than, than anyone else. Uh, but this is playing completely different schedules. I mean, the Giants are never going to play the Pirates at all. So um, it's just, yeah, it, 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 there's no sense sort of crowing or, or, or complaining about the unfairness of it. That's just the way it has to be this year. And yeah, who, who, who teams have left on the docket uh, could be just as important as how they're playing. We'll be back right after this. If the Giants were to make the postseason, you know, yes, they had to go through the Dodgers and the Padres, uh, two real, real strong looking teams, maybe two of the best teams in the National League. Certainly the Dodgers are. But if they make that postseason, they will have done so going a combined, let's see, five, eight, at least eight and two so far uh, against the AL West dregs. Uh, they 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 lost two out of three against Houston. Uh, they got swept by the A's, but they've really kind of cleaned up with the Angels, Mariners, and Rangers so far. That that counts for something. Oh, for sure. And they've got one more opportunity as of this recording uh, with, with the game uh, Thursday to finish up as the visiting team um, at Oracle Park. And uh, yeah, you know, that's one thing the Giants have done. They've played well against teams that they should beat, by and large. And, of course, their record against the teams that are, you know, pretty obviously better than them is is, is not very good. Um, but then again, they haven't looked outclassed by the Dodgers. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm at the point where I almost think the Dodgers would be a better first-round opponent for them than the Padres would be. Uh, so, um, you know, it's a, it's a best-of-three series. Uh, the home field advantage doesn't mean a whole lot in this day and age. So yeah, they're just trying trying to get in, and you know when when you look at the the, the tiebreakers, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's like do you do you want the Marlins to finish in second place, or do you want the Phillies to finish in second place in the East? Well, there are reasons why it might be preferable for it to be the Marlins and not the Phillies, or vice versa. Um, but uh, and and the Reds too. The Reds are a team that I think have a fairly fairly easy road with what remains. Am I am I right? Uh, the Reds have. Let's see. They've got three against the White Sox, which is a little rough. Three against the Brewers, and they are chasing it uh, as well. So that could be rough. And then three at Minnesota. Uh, so they actually have 
the remaining okay. games are all contenders. Uh, six at home and three in Minnesota. Got it. Okay. And then, you know, you're looking at scenarios where some of these teams, like you said, are playing each other, the Reds and the Brewers. So there's only so much ground that one team can gain on a given day. So... Yeah, if you're in the Giants' position, you just need to win as many games as you can. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's the Brewers, I think, that are getting... They do play the Royals for three, uh, but they have a really tough slog coming up. Uh, They have their final eight games on the road, a three-game series in Cincinnati, which is just going to be tough, and then a classic five-game road series against the Cardinals with a couple of seven-inning games mixed in, so... Woof, that's that, you know, it, looking at all the contender schedules for those final couple spots, the Brewers seem to be hosed. They'll really have to earn it. Yeah, and I think there is some discussion that the Cardinals may have to make up games on the Monday after the regular season finale as well. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see how that, I mean, there, everything could hinge on that. We could all be watching a, a Cardinals game on, on that Monday to find out where everybody's going. Yeah, and I I was just looking at it because to me, it feels like the Cardinals have played, you know, five games. It just feels like they have... <laughs> They haven't been in the league all year, uh, but they've played now 45 games and the Giants have played 48. You know, it's a lot closer than I would have thought. And same thing with the Marlins. The Marlins have played 47 games now. They, they're basically caught up with the Giants. So uh, all those ideas I had from a couple weeks ago, like, oh, they're so hoes. They're going to have to play a billion double headers. That's mostly by the wayside now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other big thing about the Giants, when you slice into their record, they're 14 and nine at home and nine and 15 away. And they obviously got two bonus sort of home games uh, with the, the the Mariners series being shifted to San Francisco because of the air quality in, in Seattle. Um, and, you know, the, the only time that they play away, uh, truly away, is at Oakland. So they're hunkered down in the Bay Area for the remainder of this season, which which is advantageous for a couple reasons. One, less traveling and moving around means less COVID risk, right? So that's good. And they've played well at home. They, their, their offense works at home. It's still weird to, to think of that, but, but that's, we've got enough data to sort of, um, to sort of, you know, prove the, the theory that they are a better offensive team at home this season. And uh, they showed it again uh, by putting a lot of runs on the board Wednesday night against the Mariners. Uh, there is one road game remaining. There's one road game remaining. It will be Friday afternoon at four o'clock at Oracle Park. Ah, that's right. I think actually, (laughs) technically, it'll be game two that the Giants will be designated the the road team when they make up uh, when they make up their game against the Padres. And and I I don't know the difference between the Padres home and road uniforms. So you're just gonna have to tell me which ones they're wearing because they all look they all look uh, different to me. Uh, They are the ones that are either a little brown or a little yellow. Okay. Got it. Do you, Got it. <laughs> do, you, do you like those uh, throwback Padres uniforms? I know the internet seems to like them. Do you like them? I like the ones that have like the brown pinstripes on the gray background. And mostly I just love Jerks and Profar sunglasses. And I, I love the yellow belts and the yellow stirrups. The, the yellow belts are very, very fresh. I like them very much. Yeah, I, I think I'm in. I, I really, I can't remember, you know, when you had those those boring kind of navy blue Padres uniforms, they're just so generic. You, these are distinctive. You don't look at that and go, who's on? Is it the Cardinals? It's like, ah, Padres. And I like that. It's it's very distinctive and that's what you want. It is. It is. So what else has your schedule, um, what other schedule quirks have you noticed or what have you mined from your, your research here? Ah, the Rockies. The Rockies have not played well or over the last oh, month plus, and so they're already scuffling. You know, they're 
They're four games under 500. They really need to figure it out. And they're about to start today a four-game series against the Dodgers, which isn't great. And then they have eight games on the road, including four in San Francisco, which is traditionally their reverse course field. They just hate playing in San Francisco, especially the first series after uh, being at home. Like, they, they just don't adjust well. So they have a really, really tough slog. Yeah, looking at it, though, I, I, I'm surprised to see that they're actually 11 and 11 Uh on the road this year. I figured that it'd be a lot worse than that. They're 11 and 15 at home. Um, only two games behind the Giants, and obviously with four games remaining between them, that that can change really fast. Um, run differential is pretty stark, though. The Giants are at plus three, and the Rockies are at minus 48. So um, there's probably a little more difference between these two teams than one would think by looking in the standings. But I, I am surprised that they are uh, playing 500 on the road. I would figure it would be a lot worse than that. Can I give you the caveat to that? Please. Is that the Rockies, every year, they try and stack the deck just a little bit by starting the season on the road. The Rockies do the Giants thing where they don't like opening at home. They like opening on the road so they have one fewer road trip to have that weird adjustment. So they don't start in Coors Field and go on the road. They start on the road. And in that first road trip, they were 4-1. and one. And that kind of weights, I mean, I think overall your point's valid where they're not getting blown out in the road all the time, uh, and they're not so good at home this year either, but they were 4-1 and one in that opening series, and that built a little bit of cushion for that road record. Got it. I'm not sure it even matters what their preference is. I think they would always start on the road just because, you know, April in Denver, <laughs> you you right. might need to get uh, Mr. Plow out there to, to play baseball. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think generally speaking, the, the Rockies will probably almost always open on the road. Uh, the Giants are, are in that nebulous region where, yeah, they could have some rain or something or, or some weather's not perfect in, in April, but they like to open on the road. They want to close at home. That, that's always been their preference as an organization. And I think they've uh, that's why we hardly ever see a, a true home home opener. Yeah, no, they like just the, the, the logistics of it as far as they don't have to scramble quite as much. And I can see the logic in that. I mean, there's a lot of scrambling that has to go on for a home opener. Yeah. And by the way, uh, we do have a spring training schedule uh, for next year, um, if that matters at all, or if it will actually be played, who knows? Um, but one weird wrinkle in it is that for the first time I can ever remember, uh, when you get to the very end of spring training and you have those Bay Bridge exhibition games, instead of being two in San Francisco and one in Oakland, there's two in Oakland and one in San Francisco. So I, I wonder, I wonder what uh, what negotiations went into that. Oh, you gotta, you gotta get the the subterfuge behind that. Is, is there? Is this a Game of Thrones? I, I, <laughs> I don't. I t- well, uh, it, we're talking about using the throne in uh, the Oakland Coliseum, so there's always some danger. <laughs> Some danger involved in that. Don't flush. Don't flush. Only flush if you have to. But uh, no, we, we should go into just how the team is looking because we have one game uh, over the last uh, couple of days to, to analyze, I guess. Um, it's just been what a weird five days it was. You had off day plus two COVID scare days plus a day where they couldn't play because of the air quality. They fly to Seattle. They can't even play there. They're holed up in their hotel rooms. Drew Smiley is supposed to start. He hasn't 
picked up a baseball in two days, so he decides to play catch at 12.30 in the morning after the team arrives back home uh, in preparation for a start You know, the, later that day. Um, th- this team's been put through a lot in the last five days, and they came out and they generated some momentum for themselves, and their offense uh, you know, had a productive day, and, and that was important because the, there were some bullpen guys who definitely showed some rust after not being on the mound, and they had some margin for error because the offense came out and 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 did what uh what was needed so i i thought that was a really really big statement uh win for the giants on on wednesday and 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 might help to you know get them on a good course for what they have to do from this point forward we'll take a quick time out and be back after this this is the athletic shield kapadia here to tell you about liquid iv nobody likes to feel dehydrated maybe you get a little bit of a headache dry mouth you just don't feel like yourself But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. It was a powerful statement win insofar as that the previous three games, you had to marinate with the Giants getting absolutely just pummeled by the Padres. And then you didn't get resolution. You didn't get closure after that. It's like, well, are they really in a slump? Are they bad? You just had to sit with it for a couple of days. And I don't want to give away my A-list material on the podcast. I want to save that for for my articles because I'm greedy. Uh, But I think that there is a potential for a entire who's on first routine just based on the Giants signing Justin Smoke because he can be like just in the Giants had a COVID postponement just smoke no 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 the smoke postponement was later uh the COVID postponement was here was it Justin Smoke no you know like I, I I'm gonna workshop it and I'm getting 100 subscribers 100 <laughs> subscribers <laughs> oh now you've put pressure on yourself <laughs> All right, 50 subscriptions. That's all. It's going to get 50. It's, it's going to get five retweets. Okay, five retweets. Going to have a final offer, five retweets. I'm expecting a Pulitzer Prize for, uh, and, and you're going to be labeled as America's next great humorist. That That's that's where I'm putting it. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, it is The Giants are playing a confusing brand of baseball insofar as that they are getting, they look like a, a second tier team against a first tier team like the Padres or the Dodgers. But then they turn around with the Rangers or the, the Angels or the Mariners or the Diamondbacks and it just look fantastic. So there has to be a happy medium. They can't be as good as they look against the, the bottom feeders of the league, but they, they can't be as bad as they look as they are against the best teams in the league. So I think the answer is going to be a little bit closer to the middle. And that's where I think when you start really focusing down onto what would be a three-game series, 
I think the Giants have the potential to get weird and and throw some wrinkles in there and do some things to narrow the gap against a team that they are at a talent deficit with. I I would be fascinated by a three-game series between the Dodgers and Giants. I I think there would be a lot of subterfuge. There would be a lot of uh, um, cat and mouse. um, And and, and we know that Farhan Zaidi knows that group in L.A. very, very well. Gabe Kapler knows that group very well. I, I think that would just be fascinating to see the Dodgers and Giants play you know, any postseason series for the first time, obviously, but especially under these conditions, it would be really interesting. And I think there are a lot of things the Giants could do to kind of maybe shrink the that talent deficit between themselves and an opponent in a short series. It's, it's hard to do that, you know, um, and throw everything against the wall when you've got, you know, a, a seven or eight more games in a row to play. Um, but but yeah, when you narrow it down to the postseason, it could it could get really interesting. I have a an idea for the article I'm going to write if the Giants are matched up with the Dodgers in that first round. Because I've spent a good portion of the wild card era uh, worrying about a Giants-Dodgers postseason matchup. Imagine the Giants and Dodgers in the NLCS. Just it's stressful. Your hair's falling out. You're, you're just twitching all the time. Because if you're a Giants fan, that is... <clears throat> the stakes have never been higher for, you know, since 1962 for a Giants-Dodgers series. Uh, but in this scenario, with a three-game series, and you have this team in this season going into a three-game postseason series against a team that is like an archetypical bully, the one of the best baseball teams ever assembled, there is just nothing to lose. That is, if you're going to have a Giants-Dodgers postseason matchup, you want it like this to where if if they lost, Giants fans are still upset, but they at least, you know, there's, there's more closure to that, where if they win, it's the funniest thing ever. It's the funniest <laughs> thing that's ever happened. So yeah, I think yeah, it, it, everything's on the Giants' side, side for that. I, I totally, totally agree. It's it's just a free roll, and, and, and why not? just uh, see if you can you know knock the king of the mountain off off the top and and the Giants could do it we know they always play the Dodgers tough and you know the Dodgers would feel a ton of pressure too because they would know uh, what the stakes would be not, not just playing for for you know advancement in the postseason but uh, you know they've yeah that's it it would be the ultimate sort of uh, bragging rights for for the for the Giants to be able to knock off the Dodgers this year and and if they don't then they're not supposed to so you're right it's it, it would be a total free roll yeah I I have never found which movie this is from but I remember it vividly have I I think I've brought this up in the podcast this is embarrassing but I'll just say it again it's a Gary Coleman movie uh, where the bully says hey I'm gonna knock you out and Gary Coleman says. Uh, yeah, if you knock me out, that's great. You're supposed to. But if I get you, then you're going to be the kid that got knocked out by me. And I, you, you've looked it up before. I know. I, I just remember saying it before and we couldn't find it. So I might have invented it. But I swear to goodness, I didn't. Is this the one where he plays for the San Diego Padres? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think so. The one so. with with, Rob, with Robert Guillaume from, from Benson? That was the kid from left field. That, that's the name oh. of that one. I think that they actually could play Gary Coleman in left field and still beat most teams. That's how good the Padres are. Um, oh, there was another one though. There's a Gary Coleman boxing movie. I forget which one that one was, but uh, no, this it was like a made-for-TV or just it was just for schools or something weird that doesn't show up on IMDb. I swear I'm not making this up. This is some real Berenstain Bears stuff, Mandela effect. Got it, got it. Well, anyway, may he rest in peace, Gary Coleman. Oh, all right. Well, this let's see. 
The Giants, they have been playing a little bit better when you get rid of the Padres series, which is a big caveat, but the offense is not the problem. The rotation, especially with Smiley back and, and Kevin Gossman being cleared for takeoff, the rotation, generally, you have five pitchers, maybe six pitchers, depending on, on who you're talking about, who c- you, you feel fairly comfortable with. There isn't like a, a sore-shouldered Samarja who's loping around every fifth day and you go, oh gosh, you know, here comes here comes the dingers. You've got five solid pitchers. The bullpen, though, and even in that win against the Mariners, the bullpen, they're still figuring out how to manage that bullpen, who's up, who's down, who's got command, who you can bring in with the bases loaded and not walk a bunch of guys, because I would have thought it was Berger, but apparently not. So I don't know. They're still sorting that bullpen stuff out. Yeah, Caleb Berger, that just tells you how rusty everybody was. He'd walk two guys all year. He comes in, and it was really the first time Gabe Kapler got three batter ruled. Uh, you know, he brings in Berger, and, and boom, one walk, two walks, three walks, nothing you can do. He's got to face those batters and, and, and forces in two runs. And, you know, just fortunate that that was two-thirds of the of the Mariners' offensive output for the night um, and that the Giants, you know, out-hit those mistakes. But, um, you know, Sam Coonrod also, you know, hit somebody in the head with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, and thank goodness, uh, um, you know, nobody got seriously hurt, but that was a scary moment too. Um, we know Trevor Gott is, is out with uh, a tender elbow right now. Um, Reyes Maranta is apparently on the way back. Uh, he's, he's throwing simulated innings in Sacramento. Uh, I don't know if you can anticipate he's going to be the Reyes Maranta of old. That's giving up 4.5 hits per nine innings. Um, but if he can be some semblance of that and, 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 you know, he's not going to have the same durability either. They're not going to pitch him on back-to-back days. I'd imagine maybe at all this year. Um, but if he comes back, then that could be, uh, another, um, feather in their cap. Uh, but you're right. It, this is not a team that is going to win two to one uh, over and over and over again, like a lot of Giants teams from the past. And that's why I just thought it was so important that the offense got back on track, because if that didn't happen, it was going to be really hard to see this team being able to make a push. We'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm the Athletics Joe Posnanski uh, for Indochino. You know, Finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging, especially for Somebody like me who has uh, a body type I would call um, dumpy. It's tough to find anything that fits right. You know, I'm not really a large. I'm not really an extra large. I'm not really a double extra large. I'm not really anything. So it's obviously, it's fantastic. You go to Indochino. They have you uh, go through this entire fitting process where you give them basically every single bit of information that you have about yourself uh you have every measurement you have uh who your favorite beetle is uh you know what what uh, you believe about the infield fly rule and uh and then you come out and and they're they're going to send you uh clothes that are uh, that fit you really better than anything you could possibly get in the store it's it's fantastic uh with indochino you get custom fitted suits coats casual wear Uh, at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and uh, monogram if you're a monogram kind of person. Uh, If you're getting married, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget about the -the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code JOE at check. Look at that, JOE. It's for me. 
Joe at checkout. That's super easy to remember. You go to Indochino.com and the promo code is Joe. One thing that I worried about early in this mutant season was overuse of the bullpen when the Giants were really focusing on, okay, we're going to have bullpen games. We're going to do Kevin Gall, you know, in the the exhibition games, you had Gaussman going out for an inning or two. It was like, wow, they're really going to commit to this bullpen bit. How is that going to play at the end of the season? But you look up and Tyler Rogers is leading the, the bullpen in appearances with 24, but he's pitched once in the last, let's see, nine days. Uh, and he would be on pace if you extrapolated out to about an 80 inning season which is on the higher end but it's not extreme and after that you have guys who have really their workloads have been limited tony watson has thrown 14 innings this season uh you have coonrod with 11 innings uh uh caleb berger's pitch is 17 and two-thirds sam selman 15 and two-thirds it's a relatively fresh bullpen if there is an advantage uh i'm sure other teams have relatively fresh bullpens too but the giants certainly won't be at a disadvantage when it comes to overtaxed arms yeah and i think you mentioned it in a recent piece about some of the different rule changes and the ones you'd like to keep and the ones you'd want to go and um i i agreed with with your um point that you know the expanded roster works i mean it works as something that that maybe we want to think about keeping around uh, but only it only works if you keep that three batter rule. Otherwise, yes. it's going to be just crazy how many pitching changes there would be. I mean, and we've seen it what what it looks like to to cover and watch a Bruce Bochy managed team in September. So we know already what that <laughs> looks like. But um, but yeah, I, I I feel the same way. I think that this expanded roster makes a lot of sense, and and maybe it's something that uh, I'm sure the union would love to have uh, expanded rosters going forward, and maybe they could even. Um, you know, give on another point to, to, to make sure that that happens in the next uh, collective bargaining agreement. So one of the hills I will die, one of the Cahills I will die on is that Trevor Cahill works better out of short relief. Uh, last night or, or Wednesday night, he came in against the Mariners in a little bit of a jackpot. And he pitched great. He had four strikeouts. He was getting hitters looking for a sinker, but he was flummoxing them with his curve, which was spectacular last night. He he struck someone out on a changeup that was just I, I, maybe the best pitch I've ever seen. It was just Mike Kruko said you couldn't have walked up and placed it in a better spot. And that's exactly right. You, I was thinking about it because in a 3-2 count, you didn't want a two on the corner. You wanted it just, you know, you wanted an obvious strike and you wanted the hitter to look like a fool. And that's what that pitch did. So Trevor Cahill's relief outing last night was encouraging to me. Yeah, I think it helped that they were facing the Mariners because the Mariners obviously were having a lot of trouble with curveballs. I think Drew Smiley threw... 20 uh got 20 he threw i don't know how many he threw maybe it was like 30 or 35 i mean he threw a lot of curveballs um but he generated 21 swings on them and there were 11 swings and misses i mean 50 percent swing and miss rate uh uh so clearly the the mariners were having some trouble with the old curveball uh and i think that uh cahill and joey bart probably picked up on that and and uh and that's why you saw so many from everybody else after Smiley was out of the game. Smiley is, I don't think anyone's really going to cash in on the 2020 season with so many teams reeling financially with, with the loss of gate revenue. But if there were someone who would cash in, Smiley is doing one heck of a job boosting his value because he looks like an entirely different pitcher in the mid-90s. He's, he's making hitters miss. He's got command to both sides of the plate. He looks fantastic. It was 27 strikeouts and 16 
innings. Is is there even a chance the Giants can get him back next year? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and and I think that if you're a left-handed pitcher, that's probably the if you're a left-handed pitcher who throws a really really good breaking ball and can and can back that up with a mid 90s fastball, that is the easiest way to turn like three starts into multi-million dollar multi-year contract. We saw Rich Hill do it. He was the first guy. We yes. saw Drew Pomerantz do it. So I, I definitely feel like Drew Smiley will have people out there looking for his services, even in a what we know will probably be a suppressed uh, free agent market as teams are, you know, I mean, they're laying people off, they're finding ways to cut their budgets. But, you know, good players are always going to have have a market for them, or, or, or at least they should. This will be one of the most fascinating off seasons in, in recent memory. Uh, it's weird that we're talking about an off season that's going to be here in about a month, a month and a half, even though yeah. the season just started. Like, I'm not ready for more off season content. I, I really got it all out of my system. I don't need to write about no baseball for a while. I, I feel like we already had an off season, and, and like it was called April and May and June. I mean, that was uh, we're going to have two off seasons. Now, the one positive is I, I don't think we're going to have winter meetings in person, so I may be able to cover them from my my home instead of standing next to a potted in the lobby for four days so that would be nice but um but where were yeah. they supposed to be this year oh gosh where were they supposed orlando to be or nashville year? probably yeah i think so it was someplace i was not looking forward to going to so it wasn't san diego or vegas um, right why would you not have them in san diego and vegas every year every and then year. one year i saw they had them in kentucky or no, Indianapolis, Indianapolis. It was, an, oh, I was there and it was 19 degrees. Yep. And and I stayed at a courtyard Marriott that was like three quarters of a mile away. And I walked to the hotel back and forth every day. And it was cold. What are you doing? We're putting the capital W in winter meetings here. But the best one, the best winter meetings that I've covered was the one year that they had them in New Orleans. That was fantastic. Ooh. That was a lot of fun. Um, I definitely went off the clock for, for a little while. Uh, in that city. So yeah, I would. And that made me realize that New Orleans is probably the the best American city from a leisure perspective that does not have Major League Baseball. So I would be all about expansion to New Orleans if if that ever was possible. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, The first winter meetings I went to was in San Diego and the weather was perfect and it was just a delightful time had by all. My hotel had a whiskey bar in in it. So, you know, I would work downstairs at this bar that had 500 whiskeys to to sample and stuff like that. So I was having a blast. My my wife called me up and said, "Ah, you know, there's a torrential rainstorm school's been canceled the garage is flooding and it's kind of like I, well, who is this prank caller prank caller you know I, <laughs> I was having the time of my life but it was during one of those just incredibly bad storms that was bad enough to cancel school so uh maybe my, i'm biased but i like san diego for winter meetings yeah you're like Wee herman Shh, what the connection just got really bad <laughs> <laughs> all right well this has been episode 103 of the bags and brisbee podcast did we make the postseason with this podcast i, I don't think that we did I think no we were just let's, let's we can do 104 to make sure we get in next week all right so thank you so much for listening we will be back on monday and thanks to tanika smothers for producing us and thank you for listening ta-ta for now that is not my sign off i will never use that again